In a world where the Marks think they know better than the wrestlers and the bookers, the Fantasy Booking Institute exists to pretty much do exactly that. This is a visit from the FBI. Welcome to another episode of A Visit from the FBI, your weekly dose of pro wrestling fantasy booking. I am your host, Detective Mark Sparks, and I am not joined, as always, by my partner in crime fighting. District Attorney Vincent K. Fabe is not here because he is moving. So it is just me and my buddy, the RCMP from up north, JLB. What's going on, man? How are you? That's right, Kayfabe. Move out of the way. It's your boy. It's your boy, Justin JLB. I'm good, Officer Smarks. I am good. Fine and dandy. The same old, same old is going on. Happy Thanksgiving to you, good sir. I celebrated it last month. It was delicious then, just like I'm sure yours is going to be delicious now. Uh, it's gonna be pretty boring. I mean, we're—I mentioned to you before the show—not even—not even doing a turkey at my house because it's just me, my wife, and a two-year-old. No use cooking eighteen pounds of food for that. Uh, so, <laughs> I, 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 I wanted you to say it on the podcast. Just uh, look, and I get it. Like I was saying, two, three. Uh, it just is two people in the fam jam. You know, no point. Uh, turkey is a bit overrated, but, you know, gobble, gobble, gobble. It's the only time we really get to eat turkey. Uh, sometimes for Christmas, too, we also have turkey. I, That's pretty much it. I will be sending my wife to the store tomorrow to pick up a can of that um, cranberry sauce. You know, the jellied stuff that comes in a can. Not, not, not the stuff that's made, like, with real cranberries or whatever. I'm talking the jelly that when you open the can, it slides out in the shape of the can. That stuff. <laughs> Um, I have a soft spot in my heart for that stuff. Do you um, guys have pizza? Do you guys have like pizza flavored stuffing? Um, I'm sure oh. some places have made it, but no. <laughs> We're just gonna have a homemade pizza, and I'm gonna eat a can of cranberry stuff, and then watch probably some pro football through my eyelids because that's the American way. Fair enough. Yeah, that still sounds like a good time. Um, just to remind everyone before we get into fantasy booking, Raw and Order is part of the Tatnesco Podcast Network. So head on over to tatnesco.com and check out the other shows on the network. Um, and then come back to here and listen to more shows because we put out some fun shows. If you are new to this show, the Fantasy Booking Institute, the pre premise is simple. We take turns challenging each other to book some unknown and often unlikely scenario in the world of pro wrestling. We don't discuss them in advance, so the answers are going to be entirely off the cuff. Um, there's a little bit of a lie there because we slightly discussed one of the potential ones uh, for this one. But... That's because it was discussed on the last episode of um, Survivor Series. So, um, but we'll go ahead and get into this. Um, uh, do you want to go first? You want me to go first? I guess I'll go first because I'm going to be lame. And since Kayfabe isn't here, um, this was originally his fantasy booking. And guess what? He's not going to get a chance to use it because I am taking it. Ya snooze, ya move, ya lose. All right. So, Officer Smarks, I would like you to book me a better Undertaker farewell at Survivor Series 
because yes, you had to do one. Although I think the last ride documentary should have been enough. I know he's not your favorite, but you literally have to, your Vince McMahon, your tight buddies with the undertaker, your booking undertakers farewell. Where does it go? And how does it happen? Go. Well, to preface this, I'm going to say, if I was booking it, it would not have happened at Survivor Series. It would have happened a few years ago um, after a match when Undertaker could still hold up a match and and all of that stuff. I would have had him lose to put over a younger talent. I would have had him leave his hat and coat in the ring and go out that way and retire that way. But he didn't. So... Um, and since the rules of this are to have him retire at Survivor Series like they did, but do it better because it was stupid the way they did it, um, I think I'm going to stick a lot with what I talked about on the Survivor Series review. I think instead of having 30 minutes of introducing uh, randos with tenuous relationship to Undertaker in kayfabe at least, yes, we know a bunch of them are friends with him backstage, but... Uh, there were a lot of them that had no reason to be out there aside from backstage stuff. Mm -hmm. I think you instead have a a 20 minute long montage of the best of Undertaker moment. Um, all of the moments from his entire history that are that are he's most well known for. The shocking moments like throwing mankind off the top of Hell in a Cell. The character moments like um, him, you know, kneeling to the, the urn with Paul Bearer, things like that. Montages of the, the various different casket matches that he had, the buried alive matches that he had, stuff like that. Hitting some of the more controversial times like uh, um, the crucifying, um, was it Big Boss Man he crucified? I think it was Big Boss. Anyways. Uh, I feel like it was, yeah. He technically also crucified Stephanie, but that was more G-rated. Yeah, things like that. You you do all of those things. Um, nice twenty-minute or so montage of it uh, with all of that, talking about the ups and downs. Maybe even showing footage uh, from his first ever match, um, going all back to that to to kind of show that some of his big matches in between. Uh, talk about how many times he was champion. While it's not going to be, you know, 14 times or 16 times like like Ric Flair, um, it, he still was champion a bunch of times, you know. So talk about that. Talk about his his uh, time with the, the the Brothers of Destruction, with Kane, all of that stuff. And I guess here's the problem, too, right? They kind of booked themselves into a corner because they essentially had all this stuff with the 30 years of Taker in November on the WWE Network. Yep. So that's technically a cop-out. You have to pick something different. I'm not done yet. I'm huh? not done. That yeah. that would be the main thing to show that. Then you go to um, this, the arena. You have the Undertaker music hit. You give him his entrance. Uh just like you you normally would do, right? just like you did on this. You allow him to walk to the ring and do his dainty little walk up the ring steps, which still makes me laugh. Um, you let him give his speech, all of that. But because now you didn't spend 30 minutes introducing people, 
you now have the ability for him to deliver a speech that he wants to, which I think he, the speech he ended up delivering was about what he wanted to. But then you can have the current crowd of wrestlers, right? Because the big thing with retiring wrestlers, they're supposed to put out the new breed. Um, the current crowd, heels and faces alike, all come out to the, the ramp and applaud him. Um and and send him off in style that way allowing him to to be shown gratitude not just by a bunch of rando legends but the current crowd right uh which which they did a bit on like facebook and everything they had oscar and and um alexa bliss and uh, sasha and jeff hardy and do do their impersonations of him but this just just the entire crowd of them standing there applauding um or surrounding the ring applauding if you want to have them socially distanced a bit you have them surround the ring in the thunderdome out there applauding and all of that stuff to give him that big send-off that he wants then he can walk back up the ramp and do his one arm up and the lightning hits again and and he's gone um what I'm not going to do is anything that involves him any, in any sort of angle because this is him leaving and uh, involving him even in setting up someone else's angle right now doesn't work anymore. And it doesn't work because the reason he's leaving is he realizes that his body can't put them on the matches that he needs it to. Um, and I think we've seen that over the last few years. I right. think... Everyone who's a fan of wrestling and a fan of his can at least admit that the recent Undertaker has not been up to the level that Undertaker is used to. And that's why his retirement really should have happened years ago when he could still put on a match of the quality that he demands. But this is the only way I can see to do an Undertaker retirement at this time is it to be entirely retrospective and then respect of it. Um, And yes, it does feel like a cop-out. I get that. But there's no other way in my mind to do it now. We missed the window for doing anything else. Yeah, well, I mean, and... And I like, like I mentioned even last podcast too. I get why Vince did it. It's Survivor Series, thirty years. He started at Survivor Series. Cool story, bro. Um, I would have even maybe have liked to have seen. Now a lot of blog sites have did this, where they showed the first and the last entrance. But even do so where the Undertaker's coming out in his first ever attire uh, when he originally came out to the ring. I think would have been super cool. Um, do it in a way where you can actually showcase all of your entrances and you redo them for the one last time. I don't know how you would have set that up, but I kind of wanted to also see, all right, we got the fiend, we got the dead man. Now I want to see the American badass. Maybe when he gets down to the ring or something, or when he's about to leave, you know, then you have the motorcycle on the side and whatever like i would have liked to have seen the the stages of taker as he's leaving within that farewell again i don't know how exactly they would have done it but heck there's no fans there you could have certainly have done something that would have been super cool for us this is taker we're not looking for it to be ultra like realistic anyways um 
I do like that they did the whole Paul Bearer thing. Uh, was really spot on. I like that. But that's essentially was the only good in what they actually did. But I really wish they did the whole, whole you started a Survivor Series with this look and you're leaving Survivor Series with this look. Kind of you're making you're doing a 360 you started where you came from i thought that would have been very symbolic and uh even just in reality doing that him wearing the purple gloves and whatever or the white gloves or whatever would have just been enough for a lot of the fans sort of ordeal you know like i don't know they they really missed their shot and that's because they they did corner themselves with all of the Taker footage, the 30 Days of Taker, the Last Ride. Although the Last Ride was phenomenal, never take that back. Um, but just overhyping all of Taker's stuff, and then essentially not having anything for Survivor Series. It was really weird to me how they dropped the ball, especially when this is Taker's boy. You know, like yeah, I don't know. Well, well, that that's kind of it. They had a documentary called The Last Ride. That really, I get, like you say, I get why he wanted to have this at Survivor Series for 30 years, yada, yada, yada. But you had a documentary called The Last Ride. That should have been the final farewell of Taker there. That's it. And And you could have had him at the end of it deliver the same speech that he did. You know, say, Mm -hmm. listen, for 30 years, I have been having other people rest in peace. Now it is my time to rest in peace. Right. Um, I uh, I just, you know, to me, they missed their chance. This this is a, a character who should have gone out on top, um, you know, when his game was still. Yeah. WrestleMania 33. Yeah. When he put gloves. That was the perfect time. That was the mm-hmm. best ever. But, you know, Undertaker wasn't ready to give up yet. You know what I mean? He still had that feeling. And I'm like, no, bro, but you, you ended your career off so nice here. Like it was, pr- I forgot what match it was against. I should probably know this. Um, but yeah, it was just so spot on. It worked. It made sense. It was symbolic. You didn't even have to say anything. We knew just by that imagery, we knew what that meant. Like it was perfect. Hollywood movies could not have written that better. Like, but you know, yeah, uh, very disappointed in this very series. <laughs> For sure. Just as a pay-per-view in general, but especially for that, for Taker. Like, Taker obviously doesn't give a shit. Like, whatever. He's done. Like, whatever. I don't care, bro. Like, get off me, you know? Well, I'll I'll make my Taker walk and uh, eat hot sauce and uh, have Snoop Dogg shirts with Snoop Dogg and uh, do a bunch of other crap that I couldn't do, which I'm happy for him. But I think it kind of diminishes his whole character and so on. Like, it's kind of too soon. Like, give it a little bit of time. It is a little bit weird for a person who was so synonymous with keeping his character kayfabe so much over the years Mm. to so suddenly, hey, I'm retiring and here's my collab collab with Snoop Dogg and here's my wine and here's my, you know, go go buy my official, you know, Last Rite DVDs signed by... Mm. Mark Callis or you know it, it's just like it it went so quickly into commercialization of it and breaking the 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 kayfabe and and I I'm I'm one of those people I I firmly believe that kayfabe is in the strict sense of it dead like sure. in in terms of wrestling kayfabe we all know 
that uh, none of these people are actually, you know, garbage men or whatever, right? We know the Undertaker's not a dead man. That's all a character and everything. But at the same point, he has been so adamant throughout the years of keeping it. He himself, more so than Vince McMahon or anyone else, he himself has been. And that's why it was so jarring to see it very suddenly be gone. Very suddenly. Like, like if they were going to go this way, I would have had him deliver his final speech not as Undertaker, but as Mark Callis. You know, Mark Calloway, right? Uh, just, just like, hey, this is not Undertaker saying this. This is me, Mark. This is me saying I've been doing this for 30 plus years. I'm, you know, very grateful for everything. And just have him deliver an entire shoot interview out there, shoot speech of him saying goodbye. That would have been fine. Effectively, mm. that's what the Last Ride documentary and the Broken Skull sessions are. But but that's the deal. This is his going away. Let's. I mean, you should have done it years ago. Let's just get it done with and move on. You know, I look forward to seeing Undertaker at, at the next WrestleCon or whatever, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I it was kind of cool in the sense that, like, okay, finally you get to go do stuff that you want to do. But, like, it was also just too soon. Like, Undertaker, we would have remembered you, like, a year from now. You're not going to be forgotten. You know what I mean? Um, I don't get the whole Snoop thing. I, I I don't even understand it. Uh, I Snoop Dogg never did your entrance music. You're not necessarily a hip hop dude. You don't smoke weed, or that you portray to smoke weed on TV. Um, Sasha Banks is Snoop's cousin. You didn't have anything with Sasha Banks. Um, I don't know. You're very Republican, Snoop Dogg. Um, I didn't see the correlation of it being a Snoop Taker collab. Like Snoop could honestly do things with anybody he wants. He's 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 done announcing for hockey. He's Snoop's just everywhere, and I get it. And that's we we all understand that from Snoop Loop. We completely get that from the Snoop Dog. But for Taker and Snoop, and I'm just like, what? Why? Huh? Snoop Dogg and Godfather. I would have understand if they would have ever done a collab because they both smoke a lot of weed and Snoop Dogg did the Godfather's entrance theme. Like there was stuff there. Oh no, Snoop Dogg didn't do. Yes, I think he did a remix though on like a WWE album or something. Um, but yeah, there was stuff there. The whole Taker Snoop collab, totally didn't get it. This is a crime um, that I will hopefully remember for on Sunday, but if I don't, at least it's on record that this is a crime. This Taker Snoop Dogg isn't great marketing for anybody. Who in their right mind is an Undertaker fan and a Snoop Dogg fan together? Like, what? I get it, Snoop Dogg's a huge wrestling fan, but I don't see the correlation. And who? what demographic are you going for here? Whoever's a hardcore Snoop fan is not necessarily a wrestling fan. And who's ever a hardcore Undertaker fan is most likely not listening to hip-hop. It's not a thing. They're probably listening to heavy metal or country or, or anything but hip-hop. I didn't get it. What marketing strategy was this? I don't think it was marketing strategy. It didn't make any sense. That's it. Rent off. But... So that's that's how I would do it. Like I said, 
in reality, my answer is I would have done it a few years ago, like you said, WrestleMania 33, um, something like that, and had it had it go that way. Um, but doing it now, like I I I would have removed all the other legends and let it focus entirely on Undertaker um, and the next generation, because that's really what it's about. It's about him stepping aside so the next generation can go. Um, there's there's no point in this of passing the torch because right. it's too late for that it, it, you know that's something that should have been done a few years ago when he could still go enough to to put on a good match with a Bray Wyatt or a Drew McIntyre or someone to pass the torch that way he didn't um he still have technically have done it at the end of that match like I think you had mentioned last podcast too though um whoever won the Undertaker comes out and, you know, puts his hat on the ground or something out of respect to him to kind of pass the torch that way and then leave his stuff in the ring sort of ordeal because Roman was his last opponent before AJ, right? Um, I think so. I'll, I'd have to look it up to remember for certain. Anyways, but either way. I don't know, man. Or even when Roman, when they had that triple threat, I don't know, but Roman won that. Technically, they also could have done the passing of the torch with the Fiend too. Fiend winning a match, but the Fiend is never playing a character, never really in matches anymore. He's kind of just there. Um, but they could have set something up where the Fiend won his match, and when the Fiend was about to leave the red lights, the red lights turned to black. Dong, Undertaker comes out. They kind of face down, sort of ordeal. And then the Undertaker just kind of like does his urn thing and gives the urn or something to like the Fiend. Uh, I don't know if they have that much respect for each other though. I'm sure he would have done something to like that if like Brock Lesnar had a, you know, dark themed gimmick. Um, but I don't know. A passing of the torch still would have been cool. I get it there would be no one like Taker, but I mean, the Fiend is your closest to that happening. And it still would have been kind of cool. That's kind of what happens, right? You always pass down the torch kind of thing. Jordan passed it down to... Uh, I'm not great in basketball. I don't even know why I picked basketball. Jordan passed it down to, let's say, LeBron kind of thing. When he had mentioned, like, you're the best of all time and da-da-da. He gave him his... Uh, I'm, I'm going to say staple of approval. Stamp of approval, you know? Um... It just would have been cool. Wrestling goes on sort of ordeal, you know, and that's just kind of something people do when they retire. Um, Dr. Dre did that for Kendrick or, you know, Snoop did that for Kendrick for the West Coast and blah, blah, blah. Like this is just stuff that happens in every other sport and or um, place in any kind of business. So it's just weird how they didn't do that with this um especially yeah like i say i i think they they missed the chance for it to be a true passing of the torch because a passing of the torch requires a match and um frankly this last two years undertaker aside from the boneyard match um which was cinematic and designed in a way to help make him look uh more capable the other matches have not been up to par for him and he knows it i don't think i'm saying anything that he wouldn't agree with it's but the reason he, he's retiring he mentioned it on the broken skull though mm -hmm. you know what i mean he's like look i'm content and leaving i don't have it in me i just don't mm -hmm. he's like 
I'm not just gonna go out there and choke slam people and last ride people and yep. that's it. Like I I have too much respect for the business and that he does and so on. Um, you know, so I, I get it, but you can still like you don't need a match though. You know what I mean? That's why I say the fiend because everyone would understand the passing of the torch. You're the next yeah. demonic character to take this through. Your theme song and uh, your entrance is very Undertaker-esque. Very different, but still very Undertaker-esque with the buzzards that you had before when you were Bray Wyatt. It's down that aisle. There is no other gimmick like that in WWE. So it just would have been really cool to have that. Um, but, you know. It is what it is, and uh, we can bitch and moan all we want. Ain't gonna change much. I mean, in reality, the Boneyard match should have been the end of it for Undertaker. Because he got buried in the Boneyard match. That should have been him passing the torch to the next generation. Although, AJ Styles is hardly the next generation. Well, he didn't get Boneyard match. It was AJ who got buried. That's right, AJ got buried. Anyway, still, even <laughs> even with AJ getting buried, it still was passing a torch, right? So that yeah. could have been his finale, and 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 in reality, he should have lost the Boneyard match and passed the torch, but it doesn't matter. Anyways, right. we will move on because, obviously, we both feel like there's no easy way for them to have done it, and they really should have just done it a few years ago. Can I get your thoughts on the Snoop Dogg thing? Because I feel like that was a great segue, and you just completely ignored me. <laughs> um, on Snoop Dogg and, and Undertaker? Well, the shirts. Uh, you know shirts yeah no i i mentioned i said i i i didn't i think it was just very jarring that someone who had protected kayfabe so much just suddenly suddenly on at the same time as they announced he's retiring is suddenly like you know buy the nothing but a tea thing shirts <laughs> i'm i'm 100 convinced that that is the reason for the snoop dogg thing is someone in marketing said nothing but a tea thing because it's undertaker and they're like oh let's get snoop dogg on board Sasha, call your cousin. Um, and that's entirely what it is, right? But it is. No, it's just jarring that that they just suddenly turned from this guy who protected kayfabe so much to and now he's he's with Snoop Dogg putting out t-shirts. Um, but Snoop Dogg's never turned down a dollar in his life. And uh, and frankly, Undertaker, you know, I'm I'm sure him looking at not wrestling again, his thoughts went to finances a bit. You know, um, if I stop wrestling, we stop tell- selling t-shirts. If I stop selling t-shirts as much, then where's our money come from? So let's put out a t-shirt. But here's the deal. It's, I guarantee you he signs a Legends contract, <laughs> you know, uh, for appearances and, and promotional appearances and continues to sell t-shirts that way. So, And I'm I'm even sure Vince would still pay him even if he didn't do anything like i am sure like him and vince have this i know vince can be crude and rude and mean and spiteful and so on but when it comes to the undertaker and all the uh, videos we've seen between the two they have nothing but the utmost respect uh vince has nothing but the utmost respect for taker and everything he's done for the business so even if taker wanted to stay home vince will be like hey I'll give you 300 grand. Stay home. You know? Um, 
I think that's what comes with the Legends contract is what it comes down to. That's why he gets a Legends contract is 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 that um, Legends contracts always require a small amount of appearances, but they don't they're not like anything stressful. Um, mm. And so I, that's where I think now I don't think it's going to be three hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, but he's not going to be looking for where his next meal comes from, right? Right. Because it's also going to include merchandise sales. And people will buy Undertaker t-shirts till the end of time. Um, <laughs> there, I kid you not, there will be people when I'm 80, there will be 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds who are into wrestling buying under vintage-style Undertaker tees, right? Just like there are people in modern-day wrestling fandom who buy Ultimate Warrior t-shirts, even though they never were around to watch an ult- Ultimate Warrior match. Um, I'm around to buy a Mick and Fart t-shirt. Mick and Fart 316 t-shirt. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, Mac and Fart. Mac and Fart. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, it's like, people will still buy NWO t-shirts. They're still one of the top-selling t-shirts on WWE.com. That's crazy. Uh, even, even though... Um, it is re- it's sort of recent I mean it last really existed in 2001 um there they made a couple appearances since then but that's still 20 years ago you know and there are a lot of fans of wrestling who started since then and don't you know their their knowledge of NWO is all secondhand or or watching reruns, right? But that's why Undertaker will continue to sell DVDs and sell t-shirts for the rest of his life and and his kid's life, you know? Um, But, uh, so he'll he'll have money. I just, I I think he missed a chance to go out on top and he kept putting it off, putting it off. And in reality, that's, it's just a perfect example of how it's very easy to miss your time to retire from a place like like WWE that you've got a window of when you're still good enough to pull off a match um worthy of being your retirement match and retiring right and there are some that did it right there are some like Mick Foley who retired at the right moment when he could still do what he needed to enough uh to put on these matches that were retirement worthy and yet at the same time not wait too long that that or not do it too early right what was Mick's last match um <laughs> gonna have to go to cage match for that because i don't remember it offhand why do you look that up the undertaker pulled at you in breaking this whole kayfabe thing he opened up a tiktok i kid you not well, I guess maybe his wife opened it up for him. And the first TikTok was freaking hilarious. It was Michelle McCool acting like The Undertaker and the music and da-da-da. And she was doing the voice. And then The Undertaker puts the light on and says, no one's going to buy that crap. It's freaking yep. hilarious. Never I, would have thought there would be a Taker TikTok. Hashtag Taker TikTok. I 100% remember that because I watched it earlier today. <laughs> um, Let's see. His last, his last WWE match was a long time ago for me. Um, his last full WWE match. He's made appearances in Royal Rumbles since his retirement, but that's 
not the, yeah, they're same thing. His last official WWE match, um, Triple H. Uh, uh, let's see. Well, he had a Royal Rumble qualifying match in 2008. Uh, a match Mick Foley versus Jonathan Coachman in 2007 on oh, SmackDown. On. And a WWE heavyweight title five-way John Cena versus Bobby Lashley, King Booker, Mick Foley, and Randy Orton uh, at Vengeance Night of Champions in 2007. But he did then go on to uh, a couple years in TNA. And wrestling? that's where... Wrestling, yep. Oh, wow. And that's where he really kind of finished his career. In 2010, he had a last man standing match between him and Ric Flair at Bound for Glory. Oh. No, before the glory. Oh. Mm. Wow. Uh, so we're talking so much trash about Taker, but Mick didn't even really farewell. No, yeah, he didn't. Well, and here's the... <clears throat> this is kind of funny, actually, looking at this. In March of 2010, he lost a Loser Leaves TNA match between him and Jeff Jarrett. And then uh, seven months later, he came back to do the Last Man Standing match where he defeated Ric Flair. But that was his last full match in a major he also had a match uh, for Juggalo Championship Wrestling where, uh, where uh, he and Terry Funk teamed up uh, in a losing effort to Bob Orton and Roddy Piper. How is Terry Funk still wrestling? <laughs> How is Terry Funk still walking? Yeah, straight up. I saw like an ECW match that he was in and he looked bad. And this was like in 96. Like... What the hell? Um, and just so you know, uh, Terry Funk's last official match was in Yesterday? 2017 oh. um, for Big Time Wrestle, which is a smaller promotion. But but so he hasn't wrestled since then. Oh, it's good because I don't know if there are enough hip replacements in the world to uh, repair it if he were to wrestle today. But I feel like he'd want to die in the ring. I feel like that's kind of his goal. Cause at this I feel like he made a he made a solid effort at it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he did. But because oh my god, this guy's been wrestling since what the seventies, no? Um, yeah, at least. Let's see, when does his career start? Um, because he's actually the son of a wrestler, right? So, uh, nineteen sixty-five was his first. Wow. Uh, first matches. He did two matches in sixty-five, and then wrestled continuously from there until 2017 um wow but yeah no he uh he is the son of dory funk right Dor dory funk and dory funk jr and then terry funk and he was kind of the redheaded stepchild in that situation so he had to prove himself and which is why he got into the hardcore stuff ah see it all comes down to father issues mm -hmm. i took a damn 52 Six, years old 52 year career, excuse me. No, he's not 52. He's 52. He's a lot older than 52. And I meant to say 52 year career, but I stumbled <laughs> and said years old. Take that, Undertaker. Ah, 30 years. <laughs> oh, geez. Very informative. Anyways, we will move on to my challenge for you. Oh, boy. And and it's going to be a little bit more um, fun and open. What are you saying? Um, mine was fun and open? No, because you limited me to Survivor Series and Undertaker. Fair. <laughs> um, 
but my mine's gonna be more i'm looking at aew right now and um i'm excited for what they've got going on uh i think you are as well <laughs> what was that i said when are you not but i'm excited for what they have going on i'm excited for a lot of the fun stuff there everything but um i know that that for some people they're not entirely uh and so i want you to um take control of aew and we're we're focusing mainly on the heavyweight main division right the world championship division um you have your whatever funds you want i want you to put together the top 10 wrestlers for AEW's championship to make it pop, to make it big time. Who would you put as your top 10? Who would you put as your champion? And from there on down. Wow. Um, okay. And like I said, I'm giving you carte blanche, right? You can choose wrestlers from wherever. This is, this is fantasy booking. Um, the only thing is it's current fantasy. So you're not doing a time machine. You're not going back in time and pulling up Hulk Hogan or whatever. You're not going to take right. Hulk Hogan already. No. Um, <laughs> but I, I just want you put together the top 10 current for AEW. Okay. All right. Heavyweight. People you could see in the main division. They don't necessarily have to be a heavyweight, but you have to buy them for for champion. Which which for some people would mean people like um, Sammy Guevara and, and Orange Cassidy are out right now because it's really hard to buy them as world champion right now. Right. Yeah. That's but people true. like Brian Cage definitely are. Um, and then even smaller people like Rey Mysterio, you could still buy in that division because he's got the star power. Right. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think you're keeping Moxley there because I think Moxley does add a certain type of excitement uh, and his wacky I can do anything attitude uh, and he's he's a jack of all trades he kind of can do everything nicely he's a good talker uh, well I mean you know he, he does well with it for the, uh, what he's portraying um, I really 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 see but he's not a good talker um, okay so Initially, I was, yeah, I, I'm more about good wrestling, though. So I, I, I want to see Moxley. I want to see Adam Cole. I think Adam Cole is has got everything going on for him. Uh, great, phenomenal talent. He could work with anybody and make anybody look good. So him being there would be nice. Um, uh, there's, so, there's something about, I don't know if he'd be my top, but like Starks, something about Starks appeals to me. But I don't know if he's ready to be top 10 yet. Um, but I heard I hear Starks, and then I think of Darby Allen. And I think Darby Allen is phenomenal with just the crowd behind him. He can technically do no wrong. He's very uh, hardcore. I feel bad, though. I'm just naming a bunch of AEWs. Um, why can't I think of anyone in WWE like... That I'd actually want to go. So I initially thought of Cesaro because I think Cesaro is also phenomenal talent, but I don't think anyone would necessarily care. So that's why I don't think I'm gonna have him there as the top ten. But he's so good. It's just I hate. Well, he's gotten better with Shinsuke with his talking, and you can see that he's funny. Um, I think Velveteen Dream though is very marketable. 
and also phenomenal talent. We need big guys, though. I'm putting too many small guys. Um, who are the big guys in AE Dubs? Brian Cage, um, Moss. Is his name Moss? Uh, I don't know who you're referring to offhand. The guy who just joined FTW. Uh, Will Hobbs. Hobbs. Moss. Uh, Hobbs. Uh, I mean, technically, Jake Hager falls in the big guy. Yeah, no, I think Hager's trash. Uh, I'm not arguing that. I'm just pointing out that he (laughs) falls in that. But again, you've got carte blanche, so you could pull Drew McIntyre over if you wanted to, or Moose from TNA, or... I, I don't watch enough TNA, though. Um, I've only watched one Moose match. So, um, Seth Rollins. Again, I'm not picking big guys. Jesus Christ. Um, Seth Rollins. I do like also McIntyre. Uh, I think McIntyre, now I don't know how he took this long to be where he was. Um, just, just so good with everything. Uh, that match would... Roman, surprisingly, was phenomenal. We could finally... Roman puts good matches when he wants to, I guess. Um, how many is that? So I have... I have Cage, McIntyre, Darby Allen, Moxley. At one point, you'd said Adam Cole. Did you go back on Adam Cole? Adam Cole? No, I did not go back on Adam Cole. Adam Cole is still there. Uh, Kevin Owens is another guy I'm putting in there. I think he has good enough name recognition now and certainly deserves another spot in the main event. WWE doesn't look like they're doing that. You're keeping Jericho. Uh, you're keeping Jericho there. No, you're replacing Jericho with MJF. Jericho doesn't need to be in the main of top 10 main event. He's, he just takes the cake. He could be the bottom of your card. He can be the first match and you, you'll know what's up. Um, so MJF is there. Um, what's his name? NXT always wears leather pants. Tall dude. I think he was the North American champion. Damien Priest. Damien Priest. That guy is fire, and he's so cocky, and I love it. Um, I just don't. Is he popular in NXT? Do people actually like him? I think he's gaining popularity in NXT. I think he's still relatively new to the NXT audience. They're still growing on him. Uh, I still 100% stand by that uh, WWE did the worst thing ever by making him change his name from his indie indie name. When he wrestled in Ring of Honor, he wrestled under the name Punishment Martinez. And that's so much better of a name than Damian Priest. I feel like that was a PR Thing waiting to backlash on them though yeah it was 100 percent monetization they don't own the rights to punishment martinez but they do own the rights to damian priest so but anyways that's beside the point i think and he's keith good lee, i think he's great keith see lee. keith lee keith lee my problem here now is i'm not a fan of his mic skills i'm a fan of his in-ring work but i don't think i like how he is on the mic I like his suave, smooth kind of way of talking, but then I'm also annoyed by it. Like, I feel like he was that way in NXT too, no? Or was he a bit toned down? No, I, well, I, they they gave him more leeway in NXT, and so he was allowed to be more him. Um, he's a little bit, in my opinion, he's too scripted in 
main roster and that kind of takes away from his charm i think his mic skills are phenomenal when you let him run with them and um yeah i think that's 10 but i would definitely want cody rose in that picture shot i know he's the owner of the company but if i'm the freaking owner and i got a i got a blank slate i'm putting cody rose because i just love his storytelling in the ring it brings me back and i'm not even a i'm more of a spot guy or i thought i was a spot guy but when you have a certain wrestler that can really tell a story in the ring you learn to acknowledge that fact and you also learn to respect the story that is being told and i think cody versus seth would be phenomenal um and yeah those are my those are my go-to guys a little bit from everywhere and i guess the what's his name again i always think of killian dane for some reason mr martinez yeah uh (laughs) damian priest Damien, Jesus Christ. Um, and yeah, because you have a little bit of everything. You have generally everyone there who can talk. Everyone there who I've picked uh, is main event status, who can certainly be main event status. Uh, maybe not uh, Punishment Martinez. Oh, Jesus, you got me saying his old name. Um, so much yet, but he does have the look. And when given the right storyline, I think AEW could uh, use him more properly uh, than he's probably being used in NXT right now. Um, but you you have maybe you have too much of a perfect top ten. Maybe it's it's it'd be too overkill with the amount of people that can talk and do everything. Um, but at the same time, let's let's see what happens. But these are my top ten. So Which the- one of those is champion? Keeping it on Mox? Moving it to someone else? You are not keeping it on Mox. You are... This might be biased to me, but you are putting it on Kevin Owens. Figures. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, um, I was going to initially say Cody Rhodes because I just think that's the best story to be told. Um, after years of being in the WWE, being a non-main eventer, uh, finally getting the championship. But I guess you kind of got that in All In, the first ever pay-per-view. That's what kind of happened there. Uh, but I still think you get that rectified in on television where a lot more people know your name and you finally get that story to be told uh, would be just absolutely great. Uh, and he definitely deserves that spotlight. Right? I know he's the owner and or he's the, the VP or whatever have you, but he freaking deserves it. He really does. He's I've never thought I would. I didn't know Cody Rhodes was this good in the ring in WWE because they didn't give him a chance to do anything can't believe I didn't pick Hangman Page to be in the top. But I don't know. I feel like he's not a top guy. He's a great wrestler. He's a great wrestler. But I'd rather see you in a tag team. Okay. I'm surprised that Kenny Omega didn't make your list. And I know you're not as big of an Omega uh, and, mark as I am. but No, no. And for sure, I was thinking Kenny. But I feel like Kenny's had his time in, NJP, in uh, New Japan. He's been that top guy there for so long. Um... And it's just kind of like you had your spotlight already kind of thing. Granted, I guess so did Adam Cole and NXT. Um, but, or I guess Seth Rollins as well. Uh, 
yeah i don't know i don't know i uh i feel kind of bad but um wouldn't be my top 10 well i always have to remind myself that i as far as i know you haven't seen the okada omega matches have you uh no i've seen i've seen omega jericho (laughs) um which was a good match but which was a good match but yeah. Wait, if you get a chance, I'm telling you this as your friend, as a fellow wrestling fan, watch the three Okada Omega match. Yeah. Uh, they're long ass matches, though. They are long matches. <laughs> they are long, they are grueling, but the storytelling in them alone. Like you you mentioned that you like what, what uh, Cody Rhodes does in the ring, you like his storytelling, you like a lot of that stuff. <laughs> The storytelling alone in the Okada Omega matches, uh, to me, is above and beyond. Um, and Cody would be on my list too, um, you know. Uh, but but Omega, I think I think one of my biggest problems with uh, what AEW has done so far has been uh, they they're they've been so worried. I think about coming off as that promotion that just was built to make the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and Cody Rhodes look good, that they forgot that the reason that people wanted to see this promotion come about was because they liked the way Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks worked, right? They were fans of those people. I don't know, man. I would put FTR above the Young Bucks. I'm not saying that Young Bucks are the best in the world. I'm saying that when AEW announced its formation, the fans that followed it from the beginning followed it because they were fans of the Young Bucks first, right? Of course, right. It's named All Elite Wrestling because of their group, the Elite, which was Cody Rhodes, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks. Um, Right. And and they've been so focused, I think, over this last year of on this storyline that they I mean, they 100 percent told the storyline with Cody Rhodes, where he said, if I lose this match, I'm never going to challenge for the heavyweight championship. Um, And then he lost. So now they tell the story that he can never challenge for the championship. And while I appreciate what he was doing with that trying to send this message of we're not gonna be like those other groups before like and specifically talking about like wcw where there's a lot of accusations of them just booking the top talent like hogan uh and ignoring all the other talent they're trying to fight that but they're fighting it so hard that they're neglecting the fact that people like you want to see Cody in the main title picture. People like me want to see Kenny Omega and Cody in the main title picture. A lot of fans want to see uh, the Young Bucks in the main title picture. Not necessarily as the champions all the time, but they want to see them in the in the loop for it. And but uh, but they are. They are. They're currently they are. the champions, right? Oh right. Um, okay. And. Yeah, and uh, Kenny Omega is getting is finally getting his shot at the world title um, after right. a year. But I think that's been their problem. They've spent this entire first year focusing so hard on we're not doing this just to give us titles. 
that they don't realize that a lot of the fans wanted to see them get titled. The only people who actively spoke out against them getting titles were WCW marks. No, but it was smart the way that they did it, though, because they didn't want to be labeled as that. So I get it. And it also allowed them to showcase other talent, too, right? You're going to get what you want. You still had great matches like Moxley versus Omega, which whatever was a hard my point well, that is doesn't exist excuse yeah, me technically it doesn't exist yes my my point is that they did it for too long that that it's been a year the young bucks finally after a year got the the tag team title omega is finally after a year getting a shot at the the world championship uh and cody rhodes still by storyline cannot challenge for it. and i know Eventually, this is pro wrestling. Eventually, there will be a loophole or something that'll allow him to challenge for it. Okay, so but so, so my happens. thing is my my thing is for me that's been the mistake that AEW has done is that this was founded this came be to be because a lot of people wanted to see the new blood, um, and and so far and I'm this is not trying to take away from Moxley as champion. It's not trying to take away from from Jericho's champion. In fact, I do believe Jericho now was the best choice for their first champion. Right. But in reality, I would have preferred them to use that to, instead of now the two world title holders for AEW in its history are both ex-WWE guys, which AEW gets crap for by fans all the time. It would have been nice to have seen Hangman Page get the win. Have Jericho win at the first one and then Hangman Page immediately enter into this comeback story where three months down the road or four months down the road, he finally challenges for the belt again. He works his way back up to the number one contender and challenges for the belt and then wins. And that's a great way to set up. This This league is not about the, not about the former WWE guys, but it's about the next generation. It's about the elite. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you should put the title on all of them or whatever. I'm saying that they should all be in the hunt. And for a year, they haven't been. And some of it has been, uh, Kenny Omega has sp- spoken in interviews. He's heavily behind uh, the women's division. He's been focusing a lot of his attention on the women's division. Uh which has kept him out of heavy rotation in terms of wrestling. I think that's a mistake because again, all of the excitement of all elite wrestling came from Young Bucks announced that they're a part of it. Hangman Page announces he's a part of it. Kenny Omega finally announces. Cody Rhodes announces he's a part of it. And then Jericho announced. And so this all elite wrestling was founded on the excitement for these wrestlers. And so you need to embrace it and move with it. Now, yes, um, it's important to have other young up-and-coming non-WWE wrestlers also showcase, like Brian Cage, like Will Hobbs, um, you know, if you want to have him up in there. I don't think he's ready in terms of exposure. He's still pretty fresh, but fine if you want to. Um, you know, uh, Ricky Starks, um, he's more of a cruiserweight guy, but he is, in terms of in-ring skill, every bit capable of being up there. Darby Allen, like you said, in terms of, of 
style, he's more of a cruiserweight size, but in terms of popularity and all that stuff, he definitely should be in the in the hunt. Um, so, th- so I would focus heavily on the next generation and and less on the former WWE. And I'm not trying again, not trying to take away from from Moxley. In fact, him coming was a major coup. But Moxley as champion is not, in my opinion, as good as Moxley as chaser. Moxley as the wild man who will do anything was exciting. Moxley as champion has been just like, ah, he's defending it. Well, I mean, and yes, you're right. And I think the reason why they went that route, too, is because he's been the chaser. They kind of played off WWE. You know, he's been that chaser in WWE, but he never got anywhere. So that's why I think we kind of, well, just the fact that they did it and we have to accept it. Sure. But that's why I think we kind of accepted it. Hey, we wanted this guy in WWE as a champion, but oh, D golly, he's going to get his shot at AEW. And that's why, although yes, you're still going to, you're still going to have people bitching anyways, but that's why you had a lot more people who were accepting of Moxley being the champion um but he certainly is better as a chase for sure for sure it's just the problem is he's been chasing that title for 10 years already so it was kind of like a gift uh to aew saying hey man like you've done so much in the indie scenes you've done so much for wwe like you know what people are excited for you let's do this go um and again i'm not saying that it was bad for him to be the champion I'm just saying that if I was in charge of All Elite Wrestling, my focus would be on what makes us different from WWE, not what makes us better. In fact, uh, Eric Bischoff very famously said, you don't compete with WWE on being better. You compete with WWE on being different. Um, And I was going to say, speaking of which, did you hear, I read an article, I was wondering if you actually read it, though, I just kind of read the headline, did you hear that AEW was potentially partnering with WWE for something? Didn't hear of any partnership specifically with WWE, there's a lot of rumors of a New Japan partnership potentially coming up, um, and then some speculation on... Uh, the other ones like Major League Wrestling and um, NWA, but I hadn't heard of anything specific on AEW and WWE. It might have just been a stupid blog thing for clickbait, but uh, I saw that. Surprisingly, I didn't click on it because I was just like, oh, this can't be true. So I was just wondering since, uh, you know, you're the go-to. Um But since Fabe isn't here, I'm just kind of curious if you want to do it quickly. I'm kind of curious as to how you would actually book Cody getting that title shot again. Um, Cody getting the title shot. Like I said, it's tough because you have to first come up with the storyline of uh, him, him winning the rights to go after it again. Okay, I'll save it um, for next. <laughs> so, no, it, it, it's fine. I'll I'll talk about. It. I'm just saying it's tough because because you first have to do that step, uh, because you can't just put him in in a feud and then be like, oh, forget that we said that. The fans aren't gonna do buy a just forget. So you have to put some sort of a feud. Um, in this respect, I think MJF is the key for it because the feud with Cody and MJF is always going to be there. Um, yeah. And 
And so you have MJF work his way up the ra- the ring to to where he's in contendership with uh for the the world title. Maybe not number one contender, but he's definitely in the in the mix, sort of a thing, right? Mm. Uh you have Cody reignite the feud. You have matches going back and forth. You eventually have a match where uh, MJF challenges him to a match with some sort of stipulation, uh, you know, cage match or something like that, um, and then throws out this stipulation: if if I win, you leave the company. And Cody then says, "That's fine. If I win, I get to challenge for the title again." Um, yeah. Well, I mean, they could easily do that too, right? With the mm-hmm. whole inner circle thing and yep. being in the inner circle. Uh, this could be kind of a way to split them both up, right? This is how they kind of do the split up between Jericho and MJF. Like, MJF makes that remark. You know what? You're, I, I, I'm willing to put this on the line that you can go for the title, but you won't be able to beat Chris Jericho mm-hmm. kind of thing. And that's, ooh, I like that. Yep. And so then Cody wins the match and wins the ability to challenge for the title. Um, Then you have it be months later. Now he's got the ability again. You don't have to rush into him immediately challenging him, right? Right. You continue to have him work his way up up the the ranks. And eventually uh, you could even have a a match with a stipulation of the winner gets a title shot. And... And like a Royal Rumble sort of situation, right? And have him be the surprise winner um, and then get the title shot out of that. Um, you know, I, I'm i not even 100% saying that you give him the title, but he, I think he needs to be in the mix. I think they made a mistake by going so far as to say, for the at least for the time being, that he will never challenge for the title. Right. Yeah, they definitely did that stipulation too early. Maybe if he had won it once and then maybe made that into a stipulation facing against Jericho or something, uh, and then he lost it, I think they d- definitely did that way too early for Cody. But, you know, we both get it. But still, they definitely did that way, way too early. Because now people want to see it, right? Mm-hmm. They see how well he's been working. They see that he's not just there to be... Uh, the business guy but he's also there to still put on great matches and so on and still pour his blood and guts out of the ring and so on pardon the pun because i'm sure we're gonna see that blood and guts match that they talked about uh at some point (laughs) but um yeah i like that idea and they could start that easily now uh, you know, the whole Jericho MJF thing is probably going to be a two, three month thing. Cody gets involved in that. Uh, maybe for all in, that's what your stipulation is. Uh, and by the end of next year, he essentially maybe would go for the title again or something. Hopefully they have fans back. Like, yeah. Full- I, and that's the deal. Is I we're, we're in a tough situation. I know AEW had a lot of plans that they had to put on hold for the summer because they were based around the idea of fans in attendance. And uh, they didn't want, like, the Blood and Guts match. They didn't want to do that to an empty arena. So they put it off. Um, but I think for the time being, they just need to embrace the fact that COVID's going to be here for a while. Yes, there was big news this week about uh vaccine trials and all of that stuff coming up soon but 
the math works doesn't work out for widespread availability of the vaccine for months, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not to go into too much on on the vaccine, but like the Pfizer vaccine that got a lot of a uh, lot of publicity here in the U.S. Uh, Pfizer has said that if granted the ability to go into production, they will be able to produce 50 million doses of it by the end of the year worldwide. Oh, um, okay. You know. Still matters, technically. Yeah. There's <laughs> almost 8 billion people worldwide. Add in the fact that, uh, if my reading is correct, for it to be fully effective, the Pfizer vaccine, you need to have two doses of it. So that means 50 million doses is actually 25 million people. Um, it's going to be a long time before that vaccine is going to be widely available to the regular people, right? They're going to go first responders uh, and elderly first, you know, in any of the countries that it comes out. Uh, uh, another company, um, blanking on the name of the company, did announce another vaccine that they're going to be doing. They haven't announced their manufacturing capabilities of it, but let's say it's the same amount. That still means it's going to be a long time before their production is up to where everyone gets it. So we're in this COVID thing for a while now. I think it's time AEW and WWE uh, just kind of embrace it. And I think WWE's done a lot better at embracing it, really. Uh, WWE just kind of knows that um, they're going to be, for the most part, fansless. So they invested the money in the Thunderdome concept and invested the the resources in renting out these arenas and installing the Thunderdome in them so that they could use them and invested the resources in modifying the, the performance center and turning it into the Capital Wrestling Arena or whatever it's called. Capital right. Wrestling Center. Um, AEW hasn't done quite that. They've uh, been at Daly's Place, which is owned by the Khan family connected to the um, Jaguars Arena. But other than that, they haven't done any major changes. They're still operating it as a wrestling show with no, with basically no fans. Right. And, and yeah, I get it. Uh, in terms of production capability, WWE has had you know, 40 years of uh, production experience behind them where AEW is starting from scratch. And sometimes it shows, but AEW really needs to take things up a notch and just embrace, we're going to be in COVID protocols for at least the next six to eight months. What can we do to make the, the show exciting for viewers at home? What can we do um, to push the envelope with it? and uh, make it exciting so that we can do things like the Blood and Guts match that we planned to do almost a year ago and just do it, you know? Yeah, I mean, aside, like, now at this rate, though, aside from the Thunderdome, what else can they do? You know, that's pretty... The Thunderdome, you see that in every sports now. You see that on basketball. Uh, well, baseball just used cardboards. But, um, you know, you see them use the Thunderdome. Like, that's not a unique WWE idea, technically. It's it's or not company. unique. It's yeah. the, what made it unique for WWE is they're the only wrestling uh, promotion that invested the money in it. Yeah, very valid. Um, and that's what AEW just needs to do is understand that they're going to have to adapt and invest the money. I praised AEW for their handling of 
COVID early on. Uh, their their setup, um, so it didn't show the empty seats as much was was brilliant. Having wrestlers in the crowd so you had an exciting feeling was was a good idea, and it was copied relatively quickly by WWE. Uh, but then WWE took it to the next level. And I'm not saying they came up with the idea. They saw what was happening in NBA um, and they ran with it. But they took it to the next level and it's time for AEW to do the same. Um, you know, uh, oh, I'm sure there's something they can do to innovate. So it's not exactly the same as as the Thunderdome. But they're, they're going to have to do something. Um, yeah. It, that would allow them to have the big in-person feel. I mean, frankly, the what they need to do, what a company really should do, is set cameras around the arena and screens around the arena like a Thunderdome, but have there be cameras near those screens so that when you signed up for your seat in the Thunderdome in the arena, you actually got a feed from that camera at your seat. Uh, as a second screening. So you still would have the regular stream of the show up on your TV, but you'd also have your phone or your your computer next to you with the webcam on so you could see a view of it from the crowd, air quotes. Um, right. Kind of like NASCAR does it with, with uh, certain things, not for exactly the same, but when you are a NASCAR fan, you can also launch the NASCAR app on your phone you can view um, live stream from inside certain cars on the track. Um, oh, that's cool. So, so you know, your favorite driver, you can be in the car with them as if you're on, on the race with them. So there's, there's things they can do to make the experience inviting. Because right now, you've been in the Thunderdome. Um, yeah, you get to potentially see your face on screen. But everything else about the experience is no different from if you were just watching it on TV. I right? feel like it's technically a tad bit closer. Maybe. Like the camera is like a tad bit closer than when you see it on TV. Like it's a weird thing. Well, I don't know if it's uh It's it's likely just a cropping uh because the camera is still the same camera that they're shooting with. It's right. still the same camera angle. So if anything, it's a cropping for whatever reason, production reason. But but that's my point. You're still getting the same view or the same yeah. footage, right? So giving people a reason to have a different, you know, a, to be there because they get an exclusive view from ringside or something like that um, could be something that AEW could try to implement. Um, or, you know, like I mentioned early on in the Thunderdome, um, if you just had on your screen that you're doing the Thunderdome, you've got your webcam, you got your screen, you have some buttons on the screen that's cheer button, boo button. You know what I mean? Um, that you could do that would affect the piped in sound. So, so the viewers could actually give feedback during the show about the excitement, right? Because right now it's the one thing that bugs me about all of the WWE shows. Um, it bugs me. It, it bugged me the hell out of me in, in uh, Survivor Series when they started the Undertaker chant. Oh, Jesus. That was the stupidest thing in the world. I hope EW does not take that from the WWE at all. And that, that, that's, why, that's why I like the idea of 
if you're going to have virtual fans, you give the fans at home the ability to press the button for cheer or boo, right? So then the crowd noise is directly impacted by what the fans want. Um, but it's so if, like... If there's cheering, it's because enough fans at home were pressing the cheer button for that sound to propagate enough that you could hear it, right? If there's booing, it's because enough fans were pressing the boo button. Right. That's what I think. Some sort of interactivity would be what Maybe I think even take it a step forward, have a different type of booing or cheering sound. Yeah. Like the person Multiple watching. Choices. Yeah. Multiple. So like this, you're hearing different cheers and boos. So it makes it a little bit more. It, I, I think you would assign each watcher a different, a different sound set. So when they press cheer or boo, it wasn't the same cheer that the person next to them was doing, but it still would be from a volume level. If only two people are pressing cheer, it'd be a quiet cheer, not a big thing. But if a hundred of them were pressing cheer, it'd be louder and more appropriate to the moment because they're cheering what's happening in the ring. Booing would be the same thing. So a bad guy does something, a bunch of people start pressing boo, you'd start to hear boos from the crowd. Um, but it would be organic because it would be actual people pressing actual buttons that they were actually cheering for or booing for what was actually happening in the ring. I don't know how many times I can say actually in a sentence. I was going to say, um, but I you done did it. I'm going for a record. Um, I don't know if I actually got it, but... <laughs> you say that, but actually, I think you got it. Actually, I'll have to find out. Then <laughs> it spoke of record book. I wonder if there's a... There's an actually. How many times someone has said actually? I doubt it. That's very useless. But we should actually try and go for that because that would be actually kind of cool. Yeah. So in a side note, because I'm a total nerd, one of my favorite uh, online air quotes game shows to watch, it's a college humor spinoff called Um Actually. And it's it's nerd uh. quiz because they say the one thing nerds love more than their fandom is correcting people on mistakes. Oh, and, you. and so uh, it's so great because it's just the, the host will read out a statement and there's something wrong with the statement and the, the people have to buzz in and correct the statement. But uh, much like Jeopardy, they have to correct it with the preface, um, actually, like nerds do. Um, actually, Frodo didn't actually uh, walk all the way to Mordo by himself. He was carried part of the way by Samwise Ganji. I would say I'd want to watch this show just to kind of see this, but I feel like uh, I would be turned off by the ultimate nerdyism of it. Don't knock it till you've tried it, buddy. It's Fair. on YouTube. Just search for um, actually. <laughs> for my favorite. Um... We will move on to uh, Ring of Honor, AEW, or Impact, our fun little game where I'm going to give a list of free of three WWE wrestlers, and he will need to relocate them to one of the aforementioned companies. Um, and I debate usually going into this, am I going to try to make it hard on you or easy on you? And if I'm going to try to make it hard on you, do I make it hard by giving you three crappy wrestlers or three great wrestlers? Um, I think I've done a variant on this before. Um, I think for the most part, we'll agree that these are all good wrestlers. So your choices are Drew McIntyre, Finn Balor, and Roman Reigns, the current WWE and NXT chief. Oh, snap. Okay. Um, <coughs> actually, um, 
Yeah. So Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns, and who was the next one? Uh, Finn Balor. Finn Balor. Um, so Finn Balor in AEW, I feel like he would just fit. Um, we can either be mid-card or still main event. Um, yeah, just like him there. He might even work on Impact, but I think I'd rather him in AEW. Drew McIntyre, though. I think Drew McIntyre would be a nice fit on Impact. So I think I like that. So Drew McIntyre and Impact. Um, yeah, I mean, especially Drew McIntyre now. I probably wouldn't have... I probably would have put Drew McIntyre to ROH. Again, not because it's ROH. Uh, actually, scratch that. Roman Reigns to Impact. Just because I think he has a nice fit there with his whole gimmick, even if he goes back to like a shield type of gimmick. And no, 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 scratch. Uh, McIntyre uh, to Impact, um, Finn Balor to AE Dubs, and Roman Reigns to ROH, just because I don't think Roman Reigns fits well in AEW. And Finn Balor, just a phenomenal point to that. Drew McIntyre is, I just feel like he has impact written all over him for some odd reason um, for the main events uh, to suit him. Roman is kind of dull. Um, I don't consider Roman a good wrestler. So uh, that's where we differ, perhaps. But yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't know what to do with Roman. I feel like he doesn't fit in any federation. <laughs> In my opinion. Um, out of curiosity, how would you put that? Um, well, Roman is the tough one. Uh, if only because of those three, Roman is the only one with basically no outside of WWE experience. Right. Um, Roman had some time in FCW, which was a WWE training ground, and then WWE, right? Whereas uh, Finn Balor, his time on the Indies, his time in New Japan before he came to NXT and WWE. And Drew McIntyre uh, had some time on the Indies and then was in uh, WWE and then left WWE and spent uh, quite a bit of time in like Ring of Honor and and then spent a lot of time in TNA Impact, uh, where he was their world champion for a while. And that's really where he cut his teeth before coming back to WWE. The Drew McIntyre that we know and love today, character-wise, is very much what he developed during his time in him. Um, and so that's why I say Roman's the tough one. Um, it all comes down to, if I was doing this for pure cultural impact of someone coming, Roman to AEW would be... It would be the the Lex Luger moment, the Hulk Hogan signing uh, for AEW sort of a thing. Um, so that's what I would do. But I'm not going to do that because I'm not doing this for cultural. I'm doing it for my own entertainment. Um, for me, I would love to see, kind of like you, uh, Balor in AEW. He's got all of the, the skills, all the capability. Uh, and, and seeing him reunite with his former Bullet Club. Uh, uh, yeah teammates um in the young bucks um having him feud with kenny omega oh those matches to take me now um <laughs> drew mac roman and drew mcintyre are the tough one and i probably would go the same way you did mcintyre to uh impact and roman to ring of honor um because i know mcintyre's time and impact um he'd fit back in there really well 
uh, and Roman being the one who doesn't have as much experience on non-WWE programs uh, right. could bring the most to Ring of Honor and learn the most from Ring of Honor. Uh, so hmm. I probably would do it the same way. When was McIntyre in TNA? Um, When did he leave WWE? Oh, right. Yeah, it's true. He left for... But that was a really short period of time. That wasn't that long. It was a few years. Oh, snap. Okay. Then I don't. I want to say maybe like 2012. Yeah. I'm going to bring up his cage match because it'll tell me. Cage match is such a great site. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Uh... Nonstop. Um, let's see here. His career. He was uh, on the Indies up until 2007. 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14 was when he was in WWE originally. He left early 2014. He spent some time on pretty much every indie you can think of uh, for the next year. Uh, And then in 2015, he signed with TNA. and continued to wrestle indies during 2015, 2016, and 2017 with uh, Impact before signing again with WWE to be in NXT in 2017. So about three years in TNA, two and a half years. Wow, okay, damn, that is a long time. And during that time, uh, he got to be, I'm finding years on this thing, TNA World Heavyweight Championship from March through June. Um, And then he was Impact Grand Champion um, for a few weeks um, before leaving. He wrestled as Drew Galloway at the time because, of course, WWE owned Drew McIntyre. Right. But then he came back to NXT, NXT Champion, and then WWE proper. So. Whoop, whoop. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any way... Uh, there's no no other way to do that, to be honest. I, I mean, I think you could have made an argument for McIntyre and AEW and Balor for Impact. Um, Roman, like I said, he's the tough one because Roman on any of them, it's hard to fit. I, I firmly believe Roman is a lot better of a wrestler than a lot of people give him credit for, but... And this is the big butt for it. Uh, he is 100% a WWE product. And yeah. so on any of the other ones, he'd have to learn a different way to wrestle. Because WWE has a very distinctive style. Um, and it can haunt people when they leave. Um, if they didn't have experience with other styles first. But. Yeah, that makes sense. But we will move on. Who do you got to challenge me? Hmm. So, I feel like we're going to get to a point where we've done everything. Um, Like, we got to switch it up where it's going to be like, big people from AEW. They either go to WWE, ROH, or TNA. Um, However... In fairness, DA Fabe has done that before. Um, I, I just put it this way, and I say, this is the challenge to WWE to continue bringing up new talent mm. it's the balls in their court to keep the talent pool yeah that's true uh no but i'll still keep it with that and 
I'm going to make it interesting. So we are going with... Uh, there's no theme. Um, we're going with Nikki Cross, Alexa Bliss, and Natalia. Um, Natalia the Ring of Honor. <laughs> not, not because it's bad, uh, but in That's reality, bad. her style fits there better. Um, and also, I don't have to watch it as often. Um, <laughs> I mean, get to watch it. Fair. Was that a Freudian slip there? Um, yep. <laughs> Alexa Bliss kind of has the same Roman Reigns problem because she is 100% an AEW, uh, a WWE product. Oh, is she? She's never yep. anywhere else? Oh, okay. She was, she was a fitness model who, uh, and former cheerleader who tried out for WWE kind of on a whim. And uh, so her entire character and experience is, is WWE. And I'm a big Alexa Bliss fan, but it's hard for me to imagine her as good as I think she is and as entertaining because let's be honest, of those three, she's the best on the mic. Um, she she is the best heel character of those three. She's one of the best female heel, heel characters in the business, if you ask me. Um, oh my God, she's doing this whole fun house thing. Like, amazing. Uh, it's so her. <laughs> but so, um, but it's tough. I, I can't in good faith put her to AEW because I think... While compared to some of the AEW talent, her her mic skills are definitely above them. Her in-ring skill might be above some of them. I'm looking at you, Brandy Rhodes. Um, but uh, but it's also not above some of the other ones. Um, so I think Alexa Bliss to Impact and uh, Nikki Cross to AEW. I think Nikki Cross has the better wrestling upside. Uh, hmm. That's what but I think. I I mean, yeah, I guess now you're right though. The, like, <clears throat> uh, Bliss has is yeah, Bliss is kind of in that Roman Reign aspect. She's a WWE. She's been molded by WWE, so it'd be hard for her to match the international styles of the women in AEW too. So yeah, that would make complete sense. I'd probably do the same because yeah, I don't. She's so phenomenal though. <laughs> she can be like a manager and I wouldn't care. Uh, she's, she's very good and that's why it's tough. I mean, I I think if she were to go to AEW, she'd excel. I think she'd excel wherever she goes. But it would be a huge learning curve to her because it's a totally different style. Um, I mean, she's used to fairly heavily scripted promo styles and none of the other places script their promos. Right. Um, she's also used to a very, like we said, WWE has a very specific style for their wrestling. And when you don't have experience outside of that, it can be tough. You look at the former WWE wrestlers who've gone on to major success elsewhere, it's usually been the ones who've had experience elsewhere first that have gone on to big success, you know? Mm. Um, and so that's kind of why, but like I say, I think she'd be successful wherever she goes. Um, I just, if if I'm doing this, I put put my faith in, in a wrestler that had experience outside of WWE in Nikki Cross. Um, I've seen some of her pre-WWE indie matches and and she was phenomenal. So that's where my 
my decision. Okay. Yeah, no, but I mean, that makes complete sense. Uh, and she would excel. As long as she would excel anywhere she goes, because she's uh, she's really awesome. And how she's doing this whole evil, traumatized, like that whole Nikki Cross thing is absolutely phenomenal. What a great actress. Like, give her an Oscar. Like, ah, oh, was so good. So good. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do with Alexa now, though. Um, not Alexa, Nikki. Because I feel like now she's just there and they won't know what to do with her. She's not going for any title. She's not doing anything else. And she's kind of stuck in this bliss lapse. Yeah. Well, and... still, she, she's going to continue in WWE as the I'm trying to save my best friend storyline. Um, unfortunately. Because like, she, she, she legitimately uh, has the skill to be challenging for the time. Yeah. She does. And I mean, but I imagine this is not over, right? They're going to keep going on with this. Only, I guess, Cross is not going to be as uh, gullible, I guess, uh, compared to last week. And this might potentially lead to an actual match between the two. Mm-hmm. Most likely. So, I mean, I'm kind of down for that. Um I would anticipate that uh, it's going to lead up to a match at, at TLC, um, whether they do a full tables match or a TLC match between the two of them. I don't know, but I would imagine it's leading up to that. Maybe with the stipulation, if if I win, you have to leave Alex, uh, you have to leave the Fiend and just come back to normal life and be my friend again, sort of a thing. Oh, that's kind of a stupid stipulation. I hope they yeah. don't do that. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. I guess I'm forced to, but then I could just screw you over again because there's no gun to my head. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I don't know. But Nikki definitely deserves better. Which, by the way, what the hell was with that? WWE pushes Naomi because of the whole Naomi deserves better. And then it was just like, eh, no one's talking about it anymore. We can just drop her off again. Uh, because she doesn't deserve better. Uh, I guess not. Actually, I I will take a step back because I do think she um, is still recovering from an injury. Oh, okay. So even though I do firmly believe she doesn't deserve better. Uh... <laughs> uh, well, I mean, okay. Because that's what I was wondering. I'm like, they were kind of pushing her. And then whatever... Like, I don't know, man. Even WWE with a lot of their women talent, they're not doing much with. Like, even Lacey, what the hell's going on? Well, I know Lacey got injured. That's why she wasn't on Survivor Series. Yeah. In September, she underwent surgery to remove a fibroid. So, um, it's, uh, it's relatively minor surgery, but it still takes her out of training for a few, I'm sure. So, she'll be back I would bet. Fair. But she doesn't deserve better. Uh, she, she's gotten what she deserves. Oh, jeez. On that note, before we get too dark with this, we will go ahead and wrap this up. Um, I didn't mention earlier, but the best way to support us is by liking, sharing, and subscribing to our podcast, whatever platform you do. Uh, share it with your friends on social media. Um, but you also can support us by subscribing to us on Patreon patreon.com slash raw and order wbu support us there for just three bucks a month 
and get access to all sorts of sweet stuff like our Discord server and uh, classic pay-per-view reviews and stuff like that. You yeah. don't want to do them. Don't want to do a monthly subscription? We've got merch. You can head over to shop.spreadshirt.com slash raw and order WBU. Uh, pick out some merchandise there, um, like our Not Our Cot shirts or our uh, Please Sponsor Us Turks and Kaikos shirts. Um, uh, eh, good old Turks and um, Maybe we can go have Thanksgiving in Turks and Kaikos. Uh, sure would be nice to have Thanksgiving in Turks and Kaikos. I don't know if I can book a flight that fast. Maybe if Turks and Kaikos sponsored us, we could do that. Turks and Kaikos, get on it. You're missing out. Um, you can also follow us on social medias like uh, Twitter. Uh, I am at Raw and Order WBU. And uh, JLB is? At JLB420. Real Talk Radio is the brand at Real Talk Radio 8 anchor.fm slash rtr and um remember undertaker has a tiktok so go follow the undertaker on tiktok just because that's hilarious but yeah guys i you know and technically speaking i have a tiktok but i'm not proud of any of the videos i've made so far so um i mean if you want to it's at ron order wbu on tiktok as well but um uh, oh, fast! I have so I have a parlor, just because you know it's a social media, and why not? Um, and a non-verified Alexa Bliss account followed me. Mm-hmm. Do you have yeah. anything to do with this? That is not me. <laughs> I um staying away from parlor. Um, I wouldn't touch parlor with a thirty-foot pole. I wouldn't touch parlor with somebody else's dick. Uh, Nope. Nope. Not me. Um, But I am on TikTok, so. I made a very bad Morgan Freeman video not too long ago. Oh, Jesus. Did you try to do a Morgan Freeman impression? I did. Oh, no. (laughs) That can't be good. I'm definitely going to check it out in disappointment. Yep. You, You will likely be disappointed. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and then I'll try to do one and I'll be just as bad and I'll make you feel better because that's what friends um, like I said subscribe to us give us five stars on Apple Podcasts if you listen to it there just like the number of stars you will give your vacation at beautiful Turks and Caicos <sighs> Turks and Caicos um, we also have a Wix site um, you can find that in the pinned tweet on my Twitter or in the doobly news um, you can find all the ways to listen to the show there or whatever. Uh, we mentioned the merch shop. We mentioned the Patreon. So at that point, we will uh, wrap things up here. Thank you all for listening. We will see you soon. Ciao.